Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a hard time. I almost took a drink right as I was supposed to say my name. I'm Kim, y'all. You forget that you say your name in the middle of the opening. All right, and you found a class. Hey, take a drink right now. I I just said class. You did. Uh, Take a drink while I say the rest of this. You found a place where math is not about memorizing and mimicking, waiting to be told or shown what to do, but it's about making sense of problems, noticing patterns, and reasoning using mathematical relationships and drinking when necessary. (laughs) We can mentor students to think and reason like mathematicians. Not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching mathematics, but rotely repeating steps actually keeps students, and it kept me, from being the mathematicians they can be. Woo! All right, so we got through that. I'm so glad that you took the time to become such a great mathematician, because I sure do like having chats with you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you were my kid's teacher. That, <laughs> that, was, a, that was a start of a fruitful relationship. Yeah, it's been cool. great. Okay, so y'all, not that long ago, we asked people to leave a review. I don't know. It's been a little while, but um, I've got to tell you, I opened up the... Um, I don't know, the Apple podcast, whatever. And there were so many reviews. I just got excited. I was in the car and I was like scrolling and reading them to my husband. He was like, okay, I get it. Okay. Like you weren't driving. No, I was driving. (laughs) And safe, um, Kim. Be safe. I was looking, I was just looking it up and it was so fun to read. It was so, so fun. And it really made me happy for the people who are experiencing math differently. Right. I mean, it's nice. You like it. But the fact that people are growing is, is super exciting. It's super fun. So I called Pam and I said, don't read any of them because I want to, I want to read them too. <laughs> I have not, I have not read. Yeah. Yep. So you're going to have to bear with this because I want to celebrate some people. We actually got this one in, as an email and it was Kayleen who said, Pam and Kim, I heard about you and started listening to your podcast about a month ago. I absolutely love your philosophy and methods. I teach eighth grade, eighth grade math intervention and my students struggle with the most basic principles. I have always worked on developing number sense, but it wasn't until I had tried my first problem string that I started seeing real magic happen. Aww. I know. I love it. She said, I've been doing I Have You Need with my students for the last few weeks, and we're already moving on to partners of a thousand. Their eyes got huge today when they realized they had <laughs> figured out the partner to a thousand. After class, I was asking one of my students what he thought about I Have You Need, and he said that it is his favorite part of his day. 
I thought he was going to say of my class, but nope, it's his favorite part of his day. Oh, wow. Nice. I know. That's nice. so cool. Their number <laughs> confidence is soaring and they are more willing to try and think about what we're learning. I can't wait to see what this year brings. Thank you. Woo. That's, I mean, gosh, that feels good, right? Hey, I want to point something out that, that people might be like, oh, you know, you did something and they felt better. Like, why is I have you need so mm, important, so so weighty, so what's the word I want? Impactful. That's the word I want. Because it's almost maybe the first time your students get a chance to go, this is how I'm thinking about it. Yes. Like, all I have to do is think and I can do it and I feel powerful and you're listening to me and it just is like a different experience. It's just enough. Anyway, yeah. way, way to go, Kayleen. Good job. Yeah, super cool. So last week we talked about the most sophisticated strategy for addition. And mm. often people say, what about subtraction? Can you give and take for subtraction? Let's tackle that today. Let's do it. All right, cool. Hey, Kim, do you mind, do you mind before we dive into subtraction that we just play a little, we just talked about I have you yeah. let's just play it a little bit. We're just okay. trying to give all of our listeners an example of do it often, short. All right. So Kim, if we had total 100, total 100, if okay. I have 45, what do you need? 55. How do you know? Um, Because I know 50 and 50 is 100 and okay. you asked me five less than uh, 50. So I'm going to go five more than 50 is the other add end. Cool. Cool. What if I changed the total and we needed um, a thousand? So total 1000. If I had 545, then that's 455. <laughs> that's, Those numbers are all mixed up. Yeah. 455. Yeah. There's like lots of fives and four digits yeah, yeah. going on in there. Okay. So when I said 545, how, how did you, what were you thinking about? Um, I think kind of greatest uh, to least on these. And so I thought about the 500 and the 400 being 900. Mm -hmm. And I want it to hit 900 because I know what's left needs to total 100. Mm -hmm. um, so the 45 that you gave me and the 55 that I'm going to supply to you make that last 100. Cool. So 545, you need? 455. 455. Cool. Yep. All right. All right. So just a little I have you need, totally unrelated to what we're doing today. <laughs> um, hey, Kim, I wanted to... Uh, tell you, uh, remind you of a story. You weren't there. Um, I was, this is early when I was working with the, my kids teachers in the district and you were teaching fourth grade, I believe at this point, maybe mm -hmm. third. And so you taught third, fourth and fifth while I was in that school. Mm -hmm. Um, you weren't teaching fifth because I know I was working with all of the fifth grade teachers in the district. So we had like 35 fifth grade teachers, um, and we were all in the room and I was pretty new. I was still figuring out a lot of stuff and uh, just kind of diving in, doing the work with teachers. I sometimes think that was still the better way to do it because I honestly didn't know what was going on, you know, and people would rise to the occasion and kind of, oh, like, here, let me help you. And mm -hmm. Anyway, one of the teachers said, you know, like all the stuff you're doing is kind of interesting and trying to get us to think about, you know, how, how relationships and everything. But, but what about a problem like this? And they threw up a problem and Kim... Uh, in that moment, I said, well, let's dive in and let's start working on it. And um, I had teachers up at boards and they were kind of, you know, doing it and it, it was getting gnarly and I was starting to sweat. Um, it was a subtraction problem. And you're like, subtraction problem, whatever. It was taking a lot of work, a lot of work. Let's just, uh, oh, and, and it was a problem from one of our, our high stakes tests here in Texas. So it, it had actually been asked of students and they had seen it because it was a released item. Um, Texas does that. They release certain items so you can kind of get a feel for what's on the test, which mm -hmm. I actually I, I say, I don't like the tests and I think they don't do what the public thinks they do. Um, 
But but I do appreciate the fact that Texas will release items so that teachers sure. can see them. Uh, there are states that don't do that. And I think that that's, I don't like that. <laughs> don't yeah. do that. Release, release some items. Give <laughs> teachers an idea of what the, te- the students are going to be asked. Anyway, so I'm just going to raise this idea that early in my subtraction, there was a problem that I kind of took a deep breath and went, oh dear, maybe, maybe we do need the algorithm for this problem. Let's do some work. And then we're going to return back to that problem at the end. Is that okay. all right? Yeah. All right. All right. So Kim, got your pencil handy? I do. How many pencils do you have today, Kim? Three and one of them's dull. The one in my hand is dull. Oh, sadness. It's okay. Uh, it's all right. I have a delightful pen. It just... It, Listen, it's... I've been thinking about this because we talked about it a little bit more last week. And yeah. I think that it might be true I that I'm left-handed. And so writing with oh. things... Well, I mean, I just love a pencil anyway, but... I don't like a lot of pens because I get the smear. Totally. Right from left to right. You know, I didn't appreciate that until I married a lefty. And it's uh, a thing. If he's writing, he he will not write with a pen unless it's a very certain, very yes. certain kind yeah. of pen because it won't smear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it has to be um, really smooth for him, which it also has to be for me, but it cannot smear or he's like, nope. Yep. So, so I think it's funny. He just doesn't write a lot. <laughs> anyway. Oh. That's it. That's his way that he gets around. It. <laughs> Give me anyway. some math. <laughs> All right, bam. Okay, here we go. Ready? Yep. Seventy-one subtract thirty-five. What do you got? Um, I like seventy and thirty-five because I know thirty-five and thirty-five is seventy. So I I'm sketching a number line, and I started with thirty-five, and I wrote thirty-five plus thirty-five is seventy plus one more is seventy-one. So I that thirty-five and that one that I added is my answer 36 that's 36 cool yeah so it kind of looks like you kind of thought about the distance between 35 and yep. 71 is that i did yeah accurate uh-huh. so on my paper i have a number line starting at 35 and going up to 71 uh, you have that nice jump of 35 in there but but when i total that distance between those that's a distance of 36 yep cool Next problem. How about 65 minus 29? And I'm actually going to ask you, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. to not use removal on this problem. So it could, could okay. you find the distance between these two numbers as well? Sure. Um, so I'm on my number line. I put 29 to the left okay, and 65 to the right. And I'm going to find the distance between those. Mm-hmm. Um, so from 29 to 30 is just one. And then from 30 to 65 is 35. Okay. So that's also 36. That's a distance of 36? Yeah. Um, so so you're saying that, that those numbers are 36 apart. You could have removed, right? And I, I you're an sure. over girl. So if I would have said 65 minus 29, chances are high. You might have subtracted 30, you like doing the over thing. Yeah. That's, that's kind of why I, I, I forced it because I just you know wanted to get you out of your groove a little bit. You know, you know, like, you know your student. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I do indeed. Why did you say also 36? What do you, what do you mean also? Um, because I realized that the first problem um, had a difference of 36 and so oh, the second. Oh, huh. Look at that. That was pretty coincidence. Okay. Next, uh, next problem. How about 62 minus 26? And if you wouldn't mind this time, if you wouldn't mind, would you also find the difference? Actually, though, your distance. Um, I have to tell you, my pen's dying. <laughs> This is tragic. So if you hear me shaking my pen, it's because I'm like, ink, get down there. Get down. What, down so down. you have a busted pen and I have a dull pen. Well, I have an old pen. Old, I have a pen I, I have a pen that I love so much I've used it a ton. And so I think I'm running out of ink. <laughs> Darn it. 
I might have okay. to find I, I'm going <laughs> to... Oh my gosh, I'm shaking my pen. Ask. Our editor's like, do I keep that sound in? Yes, keep it in. I'm shaking this stupid pen. I mean, I love this pen. It's going to be very sad with it. Okay, um, can yeah. I tell you something that bothers me about my first two? I'm, I'll solve it. But I'm okay. realizing that um, I just sketched my number line and it, it doesn't kind of match up. Uh, so that bothers okay. me between the first two. So I'm, I am putting uh, 26. What do you see? 62 minus 26? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I put 26 and 62 on um, a number line. Mm-hmm. But you put them both on there. I did. I did. I did. And why? Um, why would you? Why would you start by putting both numbers on the number line? Um, because I'm trying to find the distance between them, and so ah, okay. yeah, it's nice to have them both on the number line. That makes sense. Right at first. Okay. Um, and so the distance between those twenty six and four is thirty, and then thirty plus thirty two is sixty two. So there's a distance of thirty six also. And that's and that's why I'm was sad about my number lines not matching up. Um, what's why? Uh, because I I realized it was going to be thirty six. And this one's thirty six too. Yeah. Huh. And so lining up the number lines, like if you looked at my paper, written in pen, mm-hmm. with a couple of them that are a little bit less ink, but. Um, I've got one that's kind of shifted to the right a little bit mm-hmm. because it's 35 to 71. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit to the left of that is 29 to 65. And yep. then a little bit left to that is 26 to 62 because mm-hmm. those numbers were all kind of shifting. The numbers in the subtraction problems were all shifting a little bit to the left. And so yep. if we lined up those number lines, they kind of, and, and they're, they're all 36 apart. Huh. It's interesting. It's almost like you're saying that 71 minus 35 is equivalent to 65 minus 29 is also equivalent to that third problem, 62 minus 26. And in fact, I just wrote on my paper that long horizontal equation, 71 minus 35 equals sign 65 minus 29 equals sign 62 minus 26. Do, mm-hmm. you, do you agree that those are all equivalent? I problems? do. Yep. So if we have three problems that are all equivalent and they're all 36 uh, they all have an equivalent answer of 36. I wonder, I wonder, you had to do a little work to find the answers to each of those problems, just a little, but you had to do yeah. a little work to find yep. the answer to those. I wonder if we could shift that 36, shift those numbers along on the number line somewhere what, that it would make it so you almost didn't have to do hardly any work to mm-hmm. solve that problem. Mm-hmm. What would be your favorite place to shift? Um, I'm going to shift both of the numbers down to the left, so down to the left on the number line. Okay. And and then think about the distance between 24 and 60. 24 and 60. Yeah. And and tell me how you got to 24 and 60. Um so the the distance or the gap between 26 and 62, I have a I have a jump between them. Mm-hmm. And so I just scooted the 62 down to 60, I shifted it to but then I also need to keep the distance the same. So I shifted the 26 down to 24. So it's kind of like that that bubble, that jump, just mm-hmm. down to. Just shifted. And, yep. and you're like, but it's going to be the same because I shifted them both down to. Yep. So so you're saying right now that I could add on to my equivalence uh, equation there, an, uh, an equivalent of 60 minus 24. And that to you, you don't have to think about. It. You're like, bam, that's just I 36. Mean, yeah, I have you need, right? So, <laughs> yeah. oh, because I have you, I have you need helps you think about that the 
that answer. Yeah, yeah. I got to tell you, Kim, 60 minus 24 is not as easy for me as a different pro- a different equivalent problem. I have a solution for you for that. <laughs> yes. This little me. routine that we've like, oh, I have you need. <laughs> so you're saying that if I played I have you need I more think so. often, 60 uh, minus 20. All right. I, I, I will keep, I, I will keep playing. So do um, you, you like a shift a, a different way then maybe? I do. So okay. I would take that 62 and 26 and uh-huh. I would shift them up four. Yeah. That's nice too. And so if I shifted yep. them up four, then I end up with 66 minus 30. Yeah. I like that as well. So you shifted it so that the first number in the subtraction problem was a really nice 60 and right. you ended up with 60 minus 24. I shifted it so that the second problem in the subtraction problem uh, turned into 30. So right. I ended up with 66 minus 30. Yeah. I wonder me, if I went to 60 because yeah. I looked at the 62 first and it was just so close to that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. Could be. So you and I've had this conversation in the past where I'm yeah. like, Kim, 66 minus 30 is easier than 60 minus 24. Yeah. And you're like, no. And so I started interviewing people. <laughs> I started asking people. I would do problem strings like this and I would say, come on, tell me. I'm right, right? Like I didn't even try to, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so right. Kim's Six- wrong. Kim is wrong. If you make the second <laughs> number nice, it's totally an easier problem than if you make the first number nice in a subtraction problem. And there, uh, I would say most people agree with me, but yeah. there is a segment of people who probably play I Have You Need more than I have who say, no, they're the same. And I'm like, what? Now, I will you agree with me though, Kim? They're they're the same for you. The the, the 60 minus 24 is not easier than the 66 minus 24. No, 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 no. No, I would agree with you that, that shifting it to the second number being a friendly number. Mm-hmm. Um for many, 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 maybe most people would be easier. It's just that I've literally played I Have You Need for so many times for so long for so many mm-hmm. people. So I think it, but but I think that's maybe as rare as much as I've done that. So I, but, I would, but there I are others. Yeah, yeah, there are others like you out there. Sure. And, and ready? I want my brain to do that. Yeah. I have access yeah. to that. I want my brain to do that. So growth mindset, I will someday be able to say, that those are as easy for me. They are not yet, but I am working on it. I yeah, will I love that. There. I believe that it will. <laughs> um, let me give you another one. What okay. if I would have given you the problem 73 minus 37? I wonder Wonder if you could create an equivalent problem that would be easier to solve. Um, well, now I want to know if you want me to go uh, up or down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it your way. And I'm going to shift. I'm thinking about the distance between 37 and 73. Uh-huh. Um, but I want to shift those. So I'm going to shift them so that I'm finding the difference between 40 and 76. So I'm shifting them to the right three, both those numbers. Mm-hmm. So 37 moves to 40 and 73 moves to 76. And that gap is also 36. Cool. It's interesting when you said that you shifted it to 40 and 76, I wrote down 40 minus 76. Huh? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's not what <laughs> Like it's the distance between them. And so we represent that with a subtraction problem, 76 minus 40, which is also 36. Cool. So lots and lots of 36s. All right, Kim, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a fresh problem. Could okay. you shift these numbers to make an equivalent problem that is easier to solve? So fresh problem. What about 132 minus 96? 132 minus 96. Yep. Okay. What are you um, thinking about? I am going to shift both of those numbers slightly bigger 
So instead of the distance between 132 and 96, I'm going to move them both for bigger and find the distance between 136 and 100. And what is 136 minus 100? That is 36. <laughs> yeah. Which is one of my favorite things to do is to say, all right, now we're going to like completely move away from 36 and then actually have 30. You always want a moment in a string where kids go, nah, you got me, you know, or try good try teach or you know mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. Um, yeah so kim how would you describe the thinking that you used to solve these problems um so i would consider the problem and think that i could find the distance right that's kind of the first thing is i'm not thinking about removal i'm finding the distance between the numbers and i'm saying to myself i want a maybe easier problem. So I'm going to shift both either up or down the number line to find a nice problem where the answer just kind of falls out for me a little bit. Bam. And I would say that nice problem is an equivalent problem. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. And so we could call this uh, strategy, lots of things. We could call it create an equivalent subtraction problem by shifting the distance. Um, We often call it constant difference. Mm Mm-hmm. Or constant, constant distance. distance. Const- yeah. yeah, either one. This strategy of constant difference, we're going to suggest, is the most sophisticated subtraction strategy. Yeah. It, 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 it involves a lot. Kim just said she had to think, I'm not going to remove. I'm going to find the distance. And then there's some anticipatory thinking involved to say, ooh, I, I could find the distance. I could find the difference between these numbers. But I actually don't want to do it here. I'm going to create an equivalent problem. That, that requires you to get, kind of get outside the problem and think, could I create an equivalent problem that's easier to solve? Bam, I could. And then kind of some simultaneity to consider if I shift that number up, what will do, what will happen to the other number? And will that create an equivalent problem that's easier to solve? Yeah. So some, some hallmarks that are involved in these more sophisticated strategies are that they are that they require some anticipatory thinking that we have to kind of get outside the problem and say to yourself, "Ooh, could I create an equivalent problem that CGs are just easier to solve?" So anticipatory thinking is one of the hallmarks. Another hallmark is this idea of creating an equivalent problem that's easier to solve. So that that just very idea of saying to yourself, "Ooh, can can I create an equivalent problem?" Right. So this is also an equivalence strategy. Hey, I think we talked about the equivalent strategy, the most sophisticated strategy last week of give and take. It was also an equivalence strategy, right? Yep. The give and take, you're, you're grabbing a number from one of the add-ins to give to the other add-in to create an equivalent problem that's easier to solve. In subtraction, we're finding the difference between the numbers, shifting them both up or down the number line, mm-hmm. which could be thought of as give-give or take-take. Mm-hmm. But the idea is to create an equivalent problem. So they're both equivalent strategies. That's interesting, Kim, yeah. that both of the most sophisticated, or let's see, how do I say that? That the most sophisticated strategy for addition and the most sophisticated strategy for subtraction are both equivalent strategies. Yeah. And that's, yeah. a, that's a really big idea in mathematics. Yes. Yes. The equivalence is huge. Right. Um, I would also suggest that another hallmark that's involved is this idea of simultaneity. Yeah. That that if we shift both numbers, bam, we end up with a problem that's easier to solve. So sim- that th- three hallmarks that I think are um, maybe uh, interesting to consider. Simultaneity, 
anticipatory thinking and equivalence. Yeah. All of those are involved kind of in this most sophisticated constant difference strategy. Yep. Nice. Yep. Hey, um, Kim, how do we model the, how do we represent uh, constant difference. Yeah, I, I was actually just thinking about that because last week we said that we represent give and take the simultaneity of that on equations, right? Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. the number line is not so great for that. But this strategy we absolutely represent on um, a number line, and and we would put the original problem maybe on there, uh, both both numbers for the original problem where you'd find the distance, and then shift those numbers either one direction or the other on the number line and and a number line is really nice because you can visualize the shift that's happening yeah Um, and i think you for for early early on i don't know if you still do it but i think early on you would kind of picture your hands like you would you kind of throw your hands up like they were on a number line and you'd like make a hand motion like where Mm -hmm. do i want to shift it's almost like karate chop kind of thing Yeah, yeah absolutely in fact i remember the day i was in our local grocery store heb if you're in texas Woo woo. And I had to, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what I was subtracting, but I had to subtract something. And I had was, I had been working on the constant difference strategy. Yeah. I was bound and determined that I was going to develop my brain to be able to think about subtraction and not just y'all. I was so ingrained in the subtraction algorithm. When I would see a subtraction problem, my brain would just put those numbers lined up, little ones and crossy outies and zeros and nines. And my brain would just go there. And it was so hard for me to get my brain to stop going there. I'll never forget. I was in the store and I literally stopped. I was walking, I was moving, whatever. And I stopped. If you could see me right now, I have both feet firmly planted. It's almost like I'm going to shoot a free throw. Like I'm like firmly planted. Both of my knees are slightly bent. I stopped. And I said to myself, if I'm thinking about subtracting these two numbers, here's where they are on a number line. And when I just said that, I put my, my two hands out like karate chopping like, here's this number, here's that number. And I cut, but I, I didn't put it one, two. I put it like, there they are, both hands down. There they are. And then I said to myself, so I want them to be here. And I moved my hands both up because I was shifting up to make the second number a nice number. I want them both to be here. What would that be? And then bam, the answer just was like obvious. Yeah. But I had to, I had to go there here on the number line and I'm going to shift them up like Bam. And as soon as I moved that, as soon as I made that motion with my hands, mm-hmm. my brain was able to like, yes. And that, that, that like, I didn't even have to think about the answer. I just have yeah. to shift both of those numbers up four or 16 or whatever it was. And then it just fell out because then it turned into something like 2,342 minus 1,000. Oh, yeah. Yeah. hey, that wasn't too, I could hang on to that. So last week you said that. Hey, the- hey sorry, before we move on. Um, well, actually, I'm not sure what you're going to say, but if uh, I'll go ahead, Kim. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm such an interrupter. Go ahead. <laughs> Me too. It's, it's why it works. Um, so last week you said that give and take, the most sophisticated addition strategy, is not necessarily something that you would do on the street. Ah, uh, yeah. And you just described that you did that in the grocery store. And I think it's possible. But I also, maybe we want to suggest that because you're hanging on to a lot of numbers, it might also not be the thing that you want to assume everything everybody's doing as they're walking down the street. Would you agree? Uh, I would though. I actually, yes, I think there are definitely subtraction problems um, that I'm, well, how do I say this? I mean, you're thinking about the number that you're, the numbers where it was, you're thinking about the amount that you're going to shift both numbers. And then you're Uh thinking about the new problem. So the new problem that you've created 
is so nice that you're going to do that on the street. But I, I don't want to leave people with the impression that if I just think about constant difference, then all of a sudden uh, uh, I don't have to write anything down. I got the you. problem that you are, are creating, the last problem you probably don't have to do a lot of work with. Sure. Yes. I, I agree with you. That problem that I just said, which I don't remember the numbers were because I just made them up, but uh, what would I say? 1,462 minus 1,000? Yeah. I'd have to like 1,462 I just wrote down. Now I don't have to write anything else down because sure. if I subtract 1,000, I'm just yep. like 462. So it's not about writing or not writing. I, I agree with you. There, uh, You definitely might want, but might need to keep track of some of the relationships as, if you were walking down the street. Yeah, That's absolutely. Okay. That's yeah. okay. Right? Oh, I, totally. I think, it, I think people maybe think, you know, it's bad or it's, it's whatever. To, to have to write? It's less than if you, if you write something down. Well, I mean, please not because that's yeah. me. I keep track of my mental thinking a lot. I'll often say in a presentation, hey, you might see me represent some thinking up here and you might think, oh, good. I'm so glad that she wrote that down. I was able to follow what the person was saying or doing or whatever. And I'll say, actually, I was writing it down. I was modeling that thinking, representing thinking so I could follow what right. was what was happening. So yeah, uh, remember quoting Kathy Fosno. Thank you for this quote. Mental math does not mean you do it all in your head. Mental math means you do it with your head. You're actually yep. using relationships and connections you own. That's totally legal to keep track. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. The thing I was going to um, interrupt you on a minute ago, and I'm glad I took that back. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that the modeling, that we would absolutely model this on a number line, but I also have equations. So I just wanted to stick in yeah. that with constant difference, we'll use both models. So we'll use the open number line to really develop the fact sure. that we're shifting yes. the numbers and then we'll represent the equivalent problems. So for example, when you did the 132 minus 96 on my paper, I have a number line with those two numbers and the distance between them, but I also have 132 minus 96 equals 136 minus 100 equals right. 36. Right. Yeah. And it's a brilliant way. Um, I'll just mention briefly. As high school teachers, uh, even middle school teachers, when we want students to solve equations, all too often students think that that equal sign means do it. That's not what equal sign means. The equal sign means equivalence. It means that the, whatever's on the left is equivalent to whatever's on the right. And so if we can start doing work like writing these long equations, like that 132 minus 96 equals 136 minus 100 equals 36, students go, oh, they, they don't get into the trap of thinking that equals means do it. I must, mm -hmm. I must take whatever's on the left and now do it and come up with something on the right. No, 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 no. It's a representation of equivalence. It's not a symbol of something to do. Um, yeah. And I think that's a, that's a nice, a nice reason to do it um, early here. And since this is an equivalent strategy, it is a super um, uh, strategy to hone and refine by using the instructional routine we call relational thinking. So in relational thinking, we give you an equation where one of the numbers is missing. And the idea isn't to uh, do a bunch of computation. The idea is to think relationally. How are these numbers related to fill in the, the blank? So Kim, let's, I'm going to give you one. Ready? Sure. Okay. I've got 5.2 or five and two tenths mm -hmm. minus 3.9 or three and nine tenths equals blank minus four. So let me say it one more time for listeners on the podcast. 5.2 minus 3.9 equals blank minus four. What are you thinking about? I just put 3.9 and 5.2 on a number line. 
and made kind of a jump between them. And you said the second problem was subtracting four. Mm -hmm. So I'm shifting the 3.9 up to four. Mm -hmm. And that's a shift of one tenth. So I'm going to shift my other number, 5.2, up a tenth so that the distance between them is still the same. Nice. So it's 5.3. So the blank is filled in with 5.3. Yep. Super. And then you can have kids talk about what's happening and don't go too quickly to kids going, oh, you just add, add or subtract, subtract. No, nah, like keep, keep it about what's happening. Um, you know, like justifying, um, the thinking and the relationships that are happening. Yeah. Nice. And, and I want to say real quick that there will be students who want to say that it's 5.1. And so attaching a number line model can help students see that distance shift Mm. and maintaining the same distance. Um, because often we see kids with relational thinking say something like 5.1 because they're trying to make sense of how the numbers are related. And that's, that's yeah. completely normal. Absolutely. In fact, I had drawn what you said. So I have on, on my paper 3.9 and then a, a jump to 5.2. Mm-hmm. So then we could say, uh, put put the four on there. That's right. going to be to the left of 3.9, or excuse me, to the right of 3.9. And then put that 5.1 on there. And now mm-hmm. you've got a shorter space, right? Because right. that, that uh, 4 and that 5.1 are in between 3.9 and 5.2, the original two numbers. Yep. So if we, if we want the original jump, we can't we can't make it smaller. And then similarly, if they would have added, um, if the problem was different, then we'd have a bigger. And so, yeah, an open number line can be a really nice representation to go, wait, 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 think about this. Like we're trying to create an equivalent problem. Not 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 a smaller distance between the numbers. Oh, I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. That's yeah. nice. Hey, uh, let's remind everybody that we have um, you, on your website. You have a ton of relational thinking problems, um, and they can oh, find yeah. that at mathisfigureoutable.com/slash/relational-thinking. That's kind of a mouthful, so it'll be in the show notes. You can click there, <laughs> and there are a bunch of ones that you can use in your classes. Yeah, nice, cool. Hey, Kim, I mentioned at the, at the beginning of the podcast that I was in this professional learning situation with these fifth grade teachers and the teachers yep. were like, well, what about this problem, Pam? Yeah. And the problem was if Alaska has square footage of 656,424 and some small state, and I honestly don't remember which one, has the area of 1,545, what w- is the difference between their area? And teachers were removing. Yep. They were removing chunks that made sense to them. And it was, what got hard was they would remove a chunk that made sense. And then they had to figure out how much more to remove. And then they would go remove another chunk that made sense. And they had to go figure out. And teachers, I wonder if you felt that. If you've had students sort of think about removal, um, that those... um, Figuring out what you have still left to remove gets clunky, gets uh, arduous. Some of the teachers were finding the distance between it. They started at 1,545 and they were making all of these jumps to get up to 656,424. Well, I'll never forget Ann Roman, bless your heart. Uh, Ann Roman was one of the leaders in our district and she walked up to me quietly and she goes, Pam. And I was sweating. I was sweating. I was like, oh no, like what's going to happen? Everybody's mad. They're going to revolt. And Ann goes, Pam, what about constant difference? And I was like, what about it? <laughs> I didn't own it yet at all. And she goes, well, if you just shift everything up. And, and, and as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, then it would just be. So Kim, how would you think about 656,424 minus 1,545? 
What would you shift? Um, I'm going to shift them both up 455. It's almost like we played a little I Have You Need earlier with 545. Yeah. So if you just shift 1,545 up, what did you say? 455? 455. Mm-hmm. What, what, do you, what is that second number in the subtraction um, problem? It's going to be 2,000. 2,000. Which is super nice. Uh-huh. So now you have to add that 455 to... 656,424. How hard is that? Which is, it's, it is, it is just a place value. Like that's, that's the kind of problem that could be like a place value left or right. It's literally just, um, adding 455 and 424. Which Um, is just 800. Yes. 656,879. Minus Minus 2000. Yeah. Bam. Yep. Y'all, it's just this big, uh, ugly, Looks hairy horrible. Number. Looks horrible. Minus, minus 2,000, and you're done. Yep, yep. Yeah. And, uh, now, kids have to think about minus 2,000, and that's great place value. Like, there's Absolutely. so many nice place value things that kids can mess with. I love this problem because if kids have developed the constant difference strategy, which, to be clear, they should by fifth grade, then this becomes a non-issue. And uh, uh, by the way, you might just check out those numbers, listeners. And notice how many opportunities for error a kid would oh, have if yeah. they use the traditional algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a most sophisticated strategy. And one way that you can get better at all the strategies that we mentioned on the podcast is to participate in Math Strat Chat on Wednesday evenings. So you can notice other strategies that people use to see if they make sense to you. Um, you can examine the models that people use to represent their thinking. And you'll notice that sometimes we do a series of problems week after week, kind of like a problem string so that you have multiple experiences. So if a strategy, you know, you, you look at the first week and you're like, uh, you get to tinker over time and take the time to let your brain grow. So I want to share one more, Pam, um, Mendoza math mentoring, um, back in August, uh, I just collected said, I'm looking forward to challenging my fourth and fifth graders to look for creative ways to reason out problems with math strat chats this year. So that's a fantastic idea to on Wednesday nights, grab the problem, take it back to your class the next day and see what they can do. Have your own little math strat chat. That um, is fantastic. And we would love yeah. for you to post pictures of your student. Work. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be super cool. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in and teaching more and more real math to find out more about the math is figureoutable movement. Visit math is Let's keep spreading the word that math is figure out of it. Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figure outable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.